That one won't go, and the rebound's controlled by the Suns. Here it comes quickly to Payne. Payne on the drive. Cam Johnson for three. Yeah! He got it! He got it! He got it! Cam Johnson got it! And the Suns have won the ball game! Hello, and welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast. My name is Isaac, and I am joined by my usual co-hosts today. Today, we're going to be talking about the New York Knicks and the Milwaukee Bucks games. We'll go over the New York Knicks games first, where the Phoenix Suns won, I believe the score was 115 to 114. Yeah? It was, I didn't have it pulled up. Yeah, 115-114. They, the Phoenix Suns won 115-114 on them. I won't say miraculous because I think we all knew it was going in, but uh, oh, I just had a feeling as it was going. I, as I was watching, I was there, man. I, as I was watching it in the air, I, I was like, "Oh man, this has to go in. This shot has to go in." How was the? How was like the energy there? Like while you were there, like how how was it being there and hearing? So, I would. It was a lot like the first Atlanta game this season where it was just back and forth the entire time and mm-hmm. each team was just hitting shot after shot. Um, a big part of this game, and I know that Monty talked about it in the post-game like, press conferences, and I felt it too, is the crowd, even when the Suns were down big, the crowd never, the crowd was never out of it. The crowd was engaged and loud the entire time, even when we were down, because... I think somehow all of us just knew like we were going to win the game. Mm -hmm. Everyone just kind of had this, like in the back of their mind, we're all like, yeah, we're going to win. Obviously, you know? Yep. I would say on TV, it felt like a playoff game almost in the fourth quarter. Dude, it did. Would you say it was like that in the arena? Yeah, dude, the last, like, I'd say the last like two and a half minutes, Nobody was sitting. Everyone was standing for the last two and a half minutes straight. And just like, I can't even describe it. Like the moment that shot goes in, it's just like utter pandemonium. It's all a blur. It's so loud. I just bumped my mic. I don't know if you guys heard that. Um, it's so loud. I'm like, I'm screaming my lungs out and I'm just like, ju- like I'm jumping around. I have no idea what's even going on. And it's just like, it's like an indescribable experience. Like you kind of just have to be there to be honest. There's no other feeling like it. Mm-hmm. I started running around my house and fucking <laughs> screaming. Cause when he, when he, when Cameron Payne passed that ball back and I saw him go up, I kind of, it from it hitting off the backboard, I could kind of like, I thought it was going to be a brick. Like in my head, I knew it was going in. Like you just have that feeling. I don't know. I don't know how to yeah. explain it, but no, I I think everyone felt that way. Watching it, I was like, "Oh my god, no!" And then it went in, and it was, it it made me stay up for an extra like two hours afterwards, from like all adrenaline. I re- <laughs> all I remember is, um, watching, watching campaign dribble down the court and pass it back, and as it as Cam Johnson shot it, everything, it kind of was like slow motion. And I, I remember so vividly watching the ball fly through the air and bank in. Like, it was slow motion, and then all of a sudden it was just like, 
sensory overload. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, but that was a very great game. It was the first, that was the first game of no Booker and no Chris Paul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, so yeah, very, the first game of no, no all-star backcourt for the Phoenix Suns. It was a very, I think there's a very good uh, test game for the Suns because if you had this roster without Chris Paul and Booker, they are, I feel like they would probably be about where the Knicks are right now, record-wise. Do you guys agree, or am I crazy? Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, because our I, I think what comes down to it is our backup bigs. Um, they're just not great without Chris Paul. And exactly. I don't I don't I don't think the Knicks are as bad as their record shows though. So I think that it it might be a testament like I don't know if we'd have that same record but I think we'd be around around there. But I think I definitely think the Knicks are a lot better than their record shows. So, which is I think that's why it was a more impressive win for me beating them cuz we kind of stayed close almost the whole game except for that third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, the impressive part to me, I wasn't I wasn't more impressed with the comeback more than us staying tight with them in the first half. Um, just because when we went down, I was very excited to see how this team, like without its all-stars, would respond. I think that was kind of what everyone wanted to see with missing both of them, right? Like mm -hmm. we wanted to see how these players would step up and respond to obstacles and roadblocks without their two best players and uh players in this game responded in different ways uh do you guys want to talk about the good or the bad first because i think the bad is a longer conversation Let, then let's talk about the good first okay so the good the good obviously cameron johnson Mm -hmm. what can you say everybody knows 38 points 11 of 16 overall 9 of 12 from three seven of eight free throws also had a steal uh i mean this was like i don't know what else to say about it it was just yeah it was a great by game. far the best game of his career um and very very encouraging um for the Suns that he's doing this especially on a national tv game is very encouraging that he's doing this without devin booker he's showing that he has the potential to be like that like i don't want to say that guy but mm -hmm. you like a guy that can do it when you need him to yeah, yeah. go ahead i read my bad <laughs> i think it was really uh cool uh, like we would start going down a little bit and next thing you know he just hits on the big three and then like Time and time again, he just kept hitting these big shots. Especially I think, in that fourth quarter. Yes, I think I stopped the shot where I kind of – that he hit where I kind of knew everything was going in afterwards. Like, was campaign, pass it to him, and he kind of had it, like, stripped for a second, and then he caught it, and then he just shot it, like, in the guy's face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the corner. At, when he hit that, I, I knew, like, oh, this dude's – like, he's not missing the rest of the night. Like, there's no way. Did he go six for six in the fourth from three or or five from five? Five for five? Um, I don't know where to check that, to be honest. So I don't know. I think he missed one, I'm pretty sure. 
Yeah, I think he did miss one. Cause actually, yeah, he did miss one because I remember um he missed it and then the next three he made was from the same spot. Yeah. Yeah, I want to give a, a shout out to Cameron Payne though, because ever since he came back, you can definitely see how much slower we're playing. Um and I think that's slower, us. but like more in control. You mean not yeah, yeah. He but I I I think that definitely more in control i don't think we're not just like that shot or that game against um who do we we played the pelicans before the Knicks. is that who we played no um, uh, the jazz yeah the, the game we lost against the, the jazz um it was so fast paced like yeah i feel like we were just chucking up a lot of shots and, and that was that was the point book and wings lineup though so mm-hmm. That's a given. So big shout out to him. 16 assists, which is crazy. Yeah, I I was gonna bring a 10 Colin out too. Uh I noticed very early in the first half when he wasn't scoring his he wasn't scoring very much. He was playing very, very patient with the ball. He was he was very Chris Paul-esque with yeah, his passing and his patience. He I mean I was, I mean, 16, that 17 and 16 is a very Chris Paul stat line. Um, and it was just very cool to see him kind of slow down because he has the reputation for playing very fast. Mm-hmm. And he is, he's a very, I think, like, he was blind by Drew Holiday today. So I think it's very, like, good and encouraging that he was able to slow down. And, uh, kind of control i mean he kind of spazzed out at the end of the game in the last few minutes but he got bailed out by cam johnson so we won't play that was like the last 30 seconds where he kind of just decided to put his head down and run to the rim and yeah turn it over in a missed layup back yeah back to back i think it's really funny this is like the second time the last two times i don't think we've won on a buzzer beater this year right yeah, I think that was probably the first. So we lost to the Kings on a buzzer beater, which I was there for that one too. <laughs> so this is the second time in a row we've won on a buzzer beater where the person missed the free throw before. Oh, are you referring about to the, the Paul George? Oh, that I was mean, the last. Yeah, tec- technically, that wasn't like a buzzer beater. They did put time on the clock, but I do see what you mean. Well, wouldn't that? Oh, they did. Okay. That, I forgot about that. No, but it's the same idea. Yeah, it's the game yeah. Winner still. Hit your free throws. They're important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let's just get into our player of the game now before we start talking about DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Arian, why don't you give us yours first? Other than Cam Johnson, I should say, because he's the obvious one. Yeah, and I'll say other than Cam Payne, too, since we just talked about him. Yeah. Uh, Jay Crowder also had a huge game. Uh, not so much on the stat sheet, but uh, he hit a he hit a few like clutch threes, and uh, his defense was really really good. He had two steals. Uh, he was on the he was crashing the boards a lot. Uh, I liked his energy in the fourth quarter a lot. Uh, yeah, I was I wanted to talk about that too. Jay Crowder has been incredibly like efficient from the clutch this like clutch time this year um i'm gonna look up now 
what his percentages are um, in the clutch time because it is like the, the game we won or that we lost to Utah. He hit that crazy clutch three. Yep. Yeah, he threw the ball away. But again, same thing with this game. We would not have been in the game. Like we would not have had an opportunity to make that shot if he didn't hit that three. Yeah, he had um, a three to push in the lead earlier to make it 112-111. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure he had a guy in his face too. Yep. Seems like whenever we need him to hit a big three, he always does it. Right. So it's like um he just he doesn't hit his shots when he's um when it seems like because like there's so many times in a game in games he'll go he kind of like just one like for eight it seems like he kind of just like is sleepwalking out there for the first like three quarters or so and then the fourth quarter he's like really good yeah, yeah. so i just got the stat right here in the clutch from three jay crowder is shooting 53 percent, 54 percent almost oh my god um i feel like why are, i feel like that should be talked about more <laughs> yeah, yeah. When because Devin Booker's shooting 41% from three, he's definitely the highest. Well, Cam Johnson's 63% from oh my god, from uh in clutch time. But I feel like yesterday's game might have boosted that up a lot, <laughs> dude. What did he he had to have been like? What was his true shooting uh in that game? Um, oh, it had to have been high. Um, let's see. Because, I mean, I don't know, like, where to find you. I only, like, even found out what true shooting is, like, two days ago. <laughs> yeah. But I am I think it's a good stat to use now that I know what it is. Yeah, it definitely shows a bigger picture of the story when you actually look at it. Like, um, While you look for that, I'll talk about – I want to talk about my player of the game, which is um, Mikel Bridges. Uh, he – Second half, uh, he didn't do much in the scoring department, which did ruin my uh, my parlay, but it's fine. Um, ended, up, ended the game with 20 points on 6 of 11, shot 3 of 4 from 3, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, and 2 steals. He had a very typical, like, all-around, like, go-go gadget type game that you love to see from Mikel Bridges, you know, some a game where he's playing good defense, he's uh, moving the ball well, or he's scoring efficiently. It's everything you could have asked for out of Mikel Bridges, especially in a national TV game that was very close and where they had to come back. Uh, you like to see that he and Cam Johnson too are able to lead the team in situations like that, maybe not against bigger contenders, but that, they have the mental fortitude to be able to do it at all. Yeah, I just found his true shooting percentage, and it is insane. <laughs> Holy shit. Do you want to guess? Take Both of you guys take just one guess of what you think uh, it could be. Is it higher or lower than 75? Higher. Oh, my God. 80. <laughs> no, what do you think, Arian? Uh, like 86? No, it's 97.3. Oh <laughs> that is insane. Oh, oh my, my God. God. Wow. That's but, ridiculous. Yeah, that's insane. Also, when I was looking at our clutch stat numbers, Chris Paul has a plus 
99 in clutch time this season. <laughs> what? I don't know. Like, Yeah, that true shooting percentage is crazy. Oh, my God. That what's the I'm gonna look what's the highest true shooting percentage in a single game. Yeah, good idea. Cause I mean there has to have been I mean look that up with like minimum like 15 shot attempts or something. Cause there's yeah. probably games where they went like they made like one shot. You know. Nah, but before we kind of get into Aiden, I do want to talk about Shamit. A little bit. He was. Uh, Brandon mentioned in the podcast before, if he went five of five from three, that his shooting percentage would jump up to like thirty-seven percent on the season. He didn't go five of five, but he did shoot a hundred percent from three in that game, which, for Landry Shamit right now, is incredible. So, mm-hmm. props to him. I can give props where props are due. Uh, same with Aaron Holiday. Again, the shooting percentage wasn't really there again for him in the in the Knicks game, but he was active, had four assists, and he was. I mean, he, you're never really upset, too upset with him when he's out there because he seems to always make up for his mistakes. Yeah. Um, so Cam Johnson has the third highest true shooting percentage in a game of all time. Um, Number one is Fred Van Vliet um, against Orlando. It's 100.1. Yeah, he dropped 54, and he went um, 17 for 23 from the field, 11 for 14 from three, and nine for nine at the free throw line. Good Lord. So I don't know how it's over 100. I don't know how that works. but And then it's Jamal Murray. is this the game? No, that's um, it's against Cleveland, and that was a hundred even, and then Kyrie at ninety eight point five, and then Cam Johnson ninety seven point three. All right, well, we watched like the third or fourth highest true shooting game in NBA history. <laughs> so I'm surprised that is not talked about at all. Like no yeah, one has said of, anything yeah, about I'm that. Surprised? I mean, it's probably people are probably looking at it as one of those games where he's just like was just extremely hot and you probably like mm-hmm. there's no point talking about it because there's no you shouldn't put any stock into that and we shouldn't it's more just like holy shit that's really cool he had the like fourth highest true shooting ever yeah that's that's really insane what do you guys so, if you guys had a, an honest like non-biased thing what I, I don't know if we talked about this but cam johnson's ceiling I think. Oh, I think we talked about this. I don't when, remember when Keese was on the podcast. I think um, it was. Are we saying like what's his ceiling with the Suns or as a player in general? Because there um, are different answers. I, I hope that that would be the same answer, though. I don't want to see him leave, but his his potential as a player is way higher if he leaves. Do you I think? Do you think so? Even when. Chris Paul and Jay Crowder leave if he stays? Uh, Yeah, just because we're still going to have Devin Booker. Yep. And Chris Paul, we're still going to have Chris Paul next year. Hopefully, if Aiden is still on the team, hopefully he's become a more full, like fleshed out third option. I mean, I guess if he stays, he could – I don't know. I mean, if he's ne- here next year, 
he could surprise us and become the second option instead mm-hmm. of Chris Paul. That wouldn't surprise me. I just think if he were to be like do like what Jeremy Grant did, yeah, and get a bag from a bad team and just get his shots up, I think he'd be really. I think he could be like a twenty point per game scorer. But you think he'd be an all star eventually? Um, I don't know about an all star just because he's already twenty six. So I, like, he could do it, but he wouldn't like do it for like very long. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He'd kind of be like a TJ, he'd be like a TJ Warren, I think. Or, or Jeremy Grant, who's like a yeah. fringe all-star guy. He could like be like Mike Conley was last season. Where he just gets in because like four other players got in. Yeah, like an injury reserve. Yeah. But I think his ceiling, like with the Suns, is most likely like 18 points per game if he uh which would be overtakes. amazing. If he overtakes Chris Paul as the second option, which that would be incredible. Having having Booker averaging 25, Cam averaging 18, and Aiton averaging like 17, 18 as well. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, be pretty amazing. that'd be incredible. Speaking of Aiton, um Aiton is a long discussion, and he was very bad in the Knicks game, but he was very good in the Bucks game. So I think that should be its own discussion in itself. So be- let's save that a little bit towards the end. And let's talk about the last thing for this Knicks game before we move on is just the your most disappointing player other than DeAndre Ayan. Julius Randle. <laughs> no, um... Let's see. It could be. <laughs> we never we never said it couldn't be from the other team. Well, here's a question. Do you guys think we would have lost if Julius Randle stayed in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he was on one, dude. He was, ha- he was having himself a game. He had 25 and 28 minutes when he got ejected. Yeah. Um, Ari, you can go ahead and go first for your most disappointing. Um, I would probably say Tory Craig. Stole mine. <laughs> he just didn't make a single shot. He had uh, he had three boards. Um, I just think that he's still not fitting well into the offense yet. Uh, he's just taking a lot of like like walk in threes, mm-hmm. and uh, he's causing a few turnovers, even if they're not credited to him. I've seen him like bumping into people and like all that kind of stuff. Um, he's still bringing the energy on defense, but just feel like he needs to make more shots i guess yeah what about you i agree i a big well i want to i also want to talk about tory craig but he's not my player um tory craig has this awful habit right now of just shooting threes for no like Mm -hmm. we saw it especially today he just i feel like i don't want to say he's lazy but like he settles a lot. He is not getting to the rim like he did for us last season. He's not – I feel like his defense is not really there either. I feel like he gets blown by a lot. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that, but he's – and he's not like – he doesn't cut. He just sits in the corner on offense. Mm-hmm. He – I don't know. Maybe – I mean, like I, I said – I think I said this – in a previous episode, he might just be one of those players that just benefits from having Chris Paul on the court. 
where because Chris Paul can find him in spots where other players can't. So maybe he's a product of Chris Paul and we'll just have to wait and see on that, yeah. I guess. Do you think that has to play into us having such a good record already and not having to like, do you think that'll change in the playoffs when the games matter a lot more? Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I could, wouldn't be surprised if he was just coasting a little bit. Cause he kind of isn't really worried about it yet. That wouldn't be a surprise to me. Yeah. He's not even really playing like getting all that many like bench minutes to be mm-hmm. honest yeah um but yeah my uh most disappointing player is probably javel it's just like i said this all the time while chris paul was healthy and javel looked good javel is like borderline unplayable dude mm-hmm. he i mean bismack biombo went in before him today against the bucks yeah i was gonna touch on that i think that bismack might run him out of the lineup soon (laughs) no it would not surprise me at all because javel is like completely useless without chris paul it's crazy it's insane to me his like his defense before already wasn't there like i always say he has the flashy blocks but he doesn't actually play good defense but you kind of don't care when Chris Paul's on the court because he's getting spoon-fed alley-oops and he has like 15 points on seven of eight shooting because like of Chris Paul. But now that he is not getting spoon-fed, his weaknesses are glaringly obvious and it's why um, I don't think he's going to improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I was going to say JaVale McGee as well. Um... Like, I, I really think that I, I kind of like Bismack Biombo better in the role right now um, that he's playing. I think that that Bismack does give more effort on defense because um, it, it, I Bismack think it's like, a better defender. Yeah, I think that it's kind of the same with Torrey Craig. Maybe it's just because they're older players and they don't have to, too much to prove, like, JaVale has played on so many teams and he probably would get a backup spot on 99% of the teams in the league. So I think that he's kind of just coasting right now too. Um, But I think that he, I think in the playoffs he'll play, he, he will take back that backup center role mainly because of experience. He has what? Three, three, three rings. Three rings. That's yeah. Insane. So I think that I think when the playoffs come, I think I hope he'll step it up and not be so lazy. Um, Because even on offense, getting back in transition, he gets so lazy sometimes. Yeah. So when he's on the court, sometimes it feels like it's five on four if they get a steal, or if like he gets bumped and he gets fouled, he thinks it's a foul. He he stays on the other end of the court. Yeah. There was one play specifically against the Knicks where I think it was quickly drove and Javel like put his arms down like in front of quickly and then like foul them. I'm like, dude, what are you even thinking? Like, why are you putting your arm down in front of this guy who's just going to run past you? What is the point of that? Like, just turn around and run to try and block the shot. Don't like, what is, what are you thinking, dude? It's like I said, podcast, uh, 
Javel trying to stay with guards is like the worst thing because they either blow right by him or they hit a, they hit like a three in his face. He's just stuck yeah. in the middle always. Javel's been getting postered more since Chris Paul got hurt, so it's crazy. Yeah, do you guys uh, want to get into the Bucks game? Well, did you talk about your most disappointing player? Brad? Yeah, I said it was Javel McGee too. Oh, you did. All right. So yeah, the Bucks game. Oh, this was a game. The Phoenix Suns uh, already missing Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Now also without Cam Johnson traveling to Milwaukee to play the defending NBA champ Milwaukee Bucks. A game where I myself thought we had no chance. I thought we were, I honestly believe we were going to get blown out. I didn't think we had a shot. But the Suns surprised everybody and actually managed to make this a game the entire time. The final score, uh, 132-122, does not reflect what happened in this game at all. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think, I mean, are you guys mad that we lost this game? No, not at all. I think no. a lot of us see this as like, a good thing. Arian, can you kind of expand on that and why a lot of Suns fans are more encouraged by this game than disappointed by it? Uh, I think it's because our, like, obviously we didn't have our stars and we didn't have Cam Johnson. So uh, it just, re- it was really like encouraging to see all the like role players. And then DeAndre Aiden also played amazing. We'll talk about that later. Uh, it was good to see all the role players really step up and uh, keep it close especially our defense was like amazing all game. I think we held the honest to like one point or something like that in the second half. Uh, people like, like Aaron holiday stepped up a lot. Uh, Jay Crowder played amazing. I think it was just really encouraging to see that. Yeah, for sure. So let me get this box score up. The biggest part of this game. And I think, can we all agree the like the best player of the game was DeAndre Ayton. Yep. Which, again, we'll get into later because there is a lot to talk about there. So, kind of just to start off, I kind of I want to talk about the bench and how impressed I was with their effort today. They were playing incredible defense. They were just playing absolutely lights out whenever they were in. There were times where they kind of let it get away from themselves a little bit, but Monty always seemed to call a timeout at a good time and get some starters back in the game. I was so impressed and like thankful that our bench finally showed up and like granted we only played four players off the bench today due to like injuries and Alfred Payton is unplayable. Um, But it was really good to see uh, those guys come off the bench and really just work their asses off. Yeah, I agree. Um, just to touch on the game for a second, I think that a great way to describe this this is it's it's a it's a good loss for us and a bad win for the Bucks. Um, uh, counterpoint: There's no such thing as a bad win. No, but I don't mean I don't mean it in like a in a way that it was a bad win. I think it was a how can I refer? I think it was you an embarrassing win. Be, does that does that sound be discouraged better? By it because... Yeah, it was an embarrassing win. Yeah, like yeah, there's especially with how close we were, the whole entire game. Ten points. I don't. 
we did not lose by 10 points. If you, if you think about it, like we only lost by 10 because Chris Middleton decided to run up the score at the end. Yeah. Like the last, what with the last, like with a minute to go, we were still within, within distance of winning. Like, yeah, easily. And another thing, like, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are not going to do the things they did today. Like Drew Middleton was hitting some crazy threes too, that he, he's not going to shoot like that like all the time, or even like in a seven game series, he, this is not going to happen, especially if we're at full health. Um, it made, it made me feel a lot more confident if we meet well, them in the finals again. Middleton did do this in the finals, but <laughs> yeah, but I don't think it's going to stretch out for a it second. It wouldn't happen two. more than like maybe two or three times. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. I think he had two really good games um, against us in the finals, and then that's when Giannis started taking over. But um, I, I just, I, I, it made me a lot more confident if we get to see them in the finals again. Yeah, more so than I was after losing the finals, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, I mean, you kind of said it. Chris Middleton couldn't miss. Andrew Holiday, they both couldn't miss in the fourth quarter. Uh, do you want to just get into our players of the game? Because, I mean, the the big chunk of the discussion from this game is just DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. So are we going to say anyone but DeAndre Ayton? Is that – yeah, let's just skip DeAndre because DeAndre is a whole different conversation. Yeah, I want to say there's a big part of me that wants to say Shamit, <laughs> but at the same time, I, I can't. He didn't really have that great of a game. I mean, he, he ah, well, he played really good in the first half, and then after that first half, it was kind of just he didn't do anything. So I if mean, he would have kept up half of the production during the second half that he had in the first half, I think this is a different game. But So I'm going to say Cameron Payne. Um, he he kind of did like we were saying in the Knicks, like he was Chris Paul esque. Like he at the beginning of the game, he was not looking to score. Um, and then once he got his team up and got them their looks, it seemed like that's when he kind of wanted to start taking shots and and uh, scoring. He was pretty efficient tonight too. Yep. Um, my player of the game would also be Jay Crowder again, uh, just because uh, what I noticed today also was that he was not just taking a lot of threes. He uh, he got a couple of and ones, or he, he got one and one, and then he was driving a lot. He made a couple of floaters. Uh, he had 19 points. Uh, he also had seven assists and five rebounds, which uh, I thought was like really, was really good for Jay Crowder. Uh, Five rebounds is about normal. Jay Crowder is an incredible rebounder. Yeah. But the uh, the seven assists was really cool. And uh, just like last game, he had some big shots this one too. Uh, he seemed to just knock down shots when he needed him to. For sure. Jay Crowder, we kind of mentioned earlier, he's been really, really good recently. He kind of went through a slump there where we, we were upset with him and mm. – here he is shutting us up. Yeah. So my uh, my player of the game, just so I'm not repeating anything, I'm going to go with Aaron Holiday. Finally had a, a good shooting percentage on the game, four of seven. Had eight points, four assists, three rebounds, two steals. 
for a lot of the first half was outplaying his brother. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious yeah. as to what we're going to do when Chris Paul comes back. Um, Cause he needs to get minutes somewhere. I just don't know where I don't, I don't know yeah, if that's taking think, minutes away from Shamit or. I think that I would like to see um, a lineup with Aaron holiday at the one and campaign at the two. I think if we tried that maybe in a game against like the magic or mm-hmm. something, I think that would be an interesting thing to kind of test out. And do you think that when we're healthy, do you think that's something we'll see? We'll stop seeing Devin Booker play a full quarter, like that first full quarter. Like Devin Booker never comes out. Do you think? Monty no, will I don't think. Up? I don't think they're gonna change Booker's rotation. He's Monty is very, very. Him and James Jones both are very particular about continuity, and so I don't see uh, him changing major rotational things during the regular season mm-hmm. unless like it's drastic and like we have like even more injuries but god forbid yeah <laughs> no so uh yeah player of the game aaron holiday let's get into who we wanted to see a little more from if there's anybody because everyone kind of played pretty well yeah i would i would say Shamit again like I think he played very well in that first half, but I, I I wanted to see more down the stretch and um just in that fourth quarter alone. I don't know if Aaron, you can go ahead and share yours. I'm gonna see. Um, <laughs> this may not be the quarter. most popular answer, but I think the first half of Mikhail Bridges, he could have played. He could have played much better. That's actually what I was going to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he just didn't take too many shots. And then, he, uh, like, in the first quarter, I think, and then he went, like, 0 for 5. Um, he just wasn't looking to score at all, which in this type of game, uh, it would be really helpful if he, was, if he was looking to score. But then he did pick it up in the second half. He ended with 14 points. Yeah, yeah so I was just – so I was just looking. Landry Shannon made three points in the second half. Um, okay. And then he, when he first half, he had 14. So. Yeah. Kind of the opposite of Mikel. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose, I mean, everyone played pretty well in this game, even Javel. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say he played well, but you didn't really notice him as much. Um, I guess I'll just say Tory Craig just because he kind of didn't have a great game again. One of four from three. He has, again, this horrible, like, habit of just shooting catch-and-shoot threes for, that are contested for no reason. He, like, it'll be off, like, the first pass of the possession, too, and he just, like, yeah. shoots it for no reason. Also, I think we should ban him from shooting anywhere other than the corner. He seems to only <laughs> hit shots from the corner. And, yeah, I, I mean, he just has this awful habit of shooting really bad threes. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that changes for the playoffs. I just – I hope he's just coasting right now in the regular season. Um, maybe just getting used to 
how we're playing now because we do have kind of a, a, a completely different team than he was used to last year. Let's see. We, everyone he only has different. well in this in this game he there's only four people that he played with that were there last year. Um, everyone else is new, and I'm since he's running mainly with the bench unit. Um, I think it is. It, it's just gonna take time to get used to. I guess our whole bench is kind of different. Other than yeah, Cam Johnson. Yeah, I, that's I think, crazy. I think that it's it's kind of odd to me that Monty's giving him as many minute, minutes as he is right now. Um, like I I, I don't see why Tory Craig had twenty one minutes, and DeAndre Aiden played so well, and he still had he had the lowest minutes out of any starter. Like, I wouldn't have yeah, minded us running, get it. going He big. loves resting Aiden for some reason, but... Do you think he's I scared think, to have our third star get hurt? Do you think that might be what it is? I could see that, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, even when... It's tough because when Chris Paul and Booker do play, he Aiden doesn't play as much because we don't need him to. But then when they're both hurt... And, I mean, it's not like Booker's hurt. He has COVID, so it's not like... It'd be like all three are injured or something, mm-hmm. but... Yeah. I don't know. I think if it I don't think it necessarily costed us the game today for him to play more, but if it starts costing you games, you have to stop worrying about the injury because the injury could happen in the 33 minutes anyway. Right. So I think if I'm not saying that's the mindset that they have, but if it is, that's not ideal. Yeah, I was saying because even like the regular games, he does he does tend to uh, rest um, Aiden like too long sometimes. Yeah, especially with those smaller lineups, he could be so helpful, especially yeah. when we're healthy. Um, because yeah. you know Chris Paul is just gonna make him better. Um, do you guys want to talk about just everything that went on Twitter after the Knicks game, dude? Because I want to get into that. That include that's like with AN too. That's part of the whole AN discussion, and we'll just get into it because. And I wanna, I want to start this discussion off with a simple question, and that maybe actually might not be so simple anymore. What is DeAndre AN worth to you guys? Max, whatever, whatever he wants right now. Yeah. Um. I saw on Twitter a few people saying pay Cam Johnson instead of Aiden. I'm not going to say any names, but that's ridiculous. It's <laughs> so ridiculous. I don't think it's I don't think it's like a crazy crazy thought, but like from from one stretch of games that Cam Johnson is having and we're comparing them right now to um DeAndre Ayton, who, like, it, especially those that bubble year that we were talking about earlier, if that was the was that the, that was the same year that he was out, he was out before we yeah, went to the bubble. Suspended. Yeah, if he wasn't, we were playing so well before he got suspended. Um, that we if he didn't get suspended, we probably would have been a lock going. It would have been a playoff team. Yeah, going into the bubble. So. And that was without Chris Paul too. So it just it shows you he has he doesn't he doesn't need Chris Paul as much as some of our backup centers do. Um 
the whole thing with I, I don't see why it's even a discussion for Suns fans to not want to pay him. So, it doesn't make sense to me. So, Ryan, do you agree with him? Yeah. Uh, the, I'll let you go first. Yeah. Uh, the thing with me is, like, on Twitter, I think there's a lot, like, a group of people, there's a lot, like, a few people that just, like, are, that they're just, they had their mindset already that they, they're not going to like DeAndre just because we didn't draft, uh, we drafted him over Luca. Which so then they find any excuse or like when he does bad to just say don't pay him, don't pay him, and it seems like they don't talk much when we're when he does good. Uh, that's my opinion, but I feel like he deserved the max for sure. All right, my my tune has has changed a little bit in the last few days. I am on record in this podcast, the very first episode of this podcast. I said we should give in a max contract i still think he's worth a lot of money however and it's something that thunder talk said to me in the first said to us in the first episode is that a max player to him is someone who does like is dominant and does it consistently Aiden, we know, is capable of being dominant. We, mm-hmm. we saw it today, almost. A 30 and 30 and 8 today in 33 minutes. But the something that I've kind of had my eyes open to is that he doesn't really do this all that much. And I mean, he just had a game against the Knicks, like that game against the Knicks, where he's playing a center who He's supposed like supposed to be better than. He got absolutely shut down by Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson did whatever he wanted to aid under the rim. It was kind of ridiculous. So, to me, a max player doesn't really do that. I mean, I know Booker and Chris Paul and them have like their bad games, but Aiden feels like he has them more. And I guess my roundabout way of saying is I think he's worth more of like a Jared Allen contract, like five years, hundred mil or so. I, I can see like, where you're coming with that, but I'm, I'm going to give a counter argument to this. I think that the same way that this is how I view the NBA is Anybody, they're all professionals and anyone can be anyone on a given night. So I think that, I think we can apply that same thing to players, even though um, DeAndre Ayton is, he is better than Mitchell Robinson. I think on that given night, I think Mitchell Robinson outplayed him, but I think that you can say the same thing about tonight. I think DeAndre Ayton outplayed Giannis. If you look at the stat sheet, that's up for debate because I mean he scored more, but Giannis, Giannis ended the game with more rebounds, more assists. Yeah, but we're uh, not looking for DeAndre Ayton to pass the ball. I know, but I'm, but it's like he still didn't outplay Giannis just because we don't look for him to pass. Like Giannis still did pass so that's still something he did better than eight and we can't just ignore that yeah i just think it goes further than the box score i think i think tonight 
and plus he got Giannis, Giannis to foul out. As well. yeah. He got Giannis to foul out too, which was which we should have taken advantage of because that was in the last. Well, we almost did. Yeah, that was in the last five ish minutes. Was that something like that? So something like that, yeah. I don't think I don't think that I don't think like the whole he let Mitchell Robinson outplay him type thing or any any center outplay him really um can be like I don't think that's a good argument to me because like let's see I'm gonna go back to the box score from the Knicks game. Um there's games where players are just unstoppable. Like Mitchell Robinson didn't miss a shot, but at the same time 90% of his shots were tippins. Yeah, okay. And- so I agree with you on the point that of like any given night, any team can beat any team. I don't think that that necessarily extends to players to the same extent because players themselves have way more control over how well they play more than, more so than they have control over if their team wins or not. And the reason you pay um, a, a player more money is because that any given night where they play bad happens to them less than other players. Like the reason players get more, like become like the top ranked players in the league and get these huge contracts is because of how consistently dominant they are without having those bad games. Aiden has those bad games way more often than a max contract player should. We gave Devin Booker a max contract after his first uh, one expired. And he, I mean, what percentage of his games would you say are bad? Maybe like one in 10, two, two out of 10 tops. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with your point there, but I just, I, I don't know. I just think we saw, I think it's the same thing. The whole Shamit debate that I, I talked about last episode was we've seen what he can do. So, so pay him. So, like, um, DeAndre Ayton had a historic final or just playoff run. Wouldn't say in the finals, but playoff run was historic. I don't. I we probably wouldn't have made it as far as we did without him playing as well as he did those first three series. Um, yeah, the playoffs was like something else because, like, that should be like the main argument right there is how he performed in the play- his first ever playoffs. Right, so we know he can do it on the big stage. Yeah, and that's where that's where I agree. Because if if I see Aiden for a second season in a row, just like turn it on for the whole playoffs and is just that good the whole playoffs, then I'm like, okay, yeah, give him a max. But until like I see it happen, I'm not gonna be able to comfortably say that we should give him a max because. I mean, like, like I said, I don't. If he does in the playoffs, I don't care. Whatever regular season really like does not matter to me that much. It matters a little bit, but not that, not as much as the playoffs. So if he does it for the playoffs, if he's good in the playoffs, give him a max because he'll win you a championship. But if we get to the playoffs and it's more of the same, then you have serious questions. Then I'll agree with you, but I, I just don't think. From what we know right now, him in the finals, or in the playoffs in general, 
I think he deserves a max from from what we've seen if he can produce like that again. Uh, that's yeah, that's fair enough. I just don't it's think just... it's fair for all the hate he's getting because it's not like he like it's it's hard for him I think to to explode and have those games when you're playing with someone like Devin Booker and and Chris Paul and especially with this season with how well Mikel Bridges and Cameron Johnson have been playing yeah Um, well that's why I'm like before I was all on board with the max because he was putting up 16 and 10 being like a third slash fourth slash fifth option so but it's now that like now that he's not playing with Booker and Chris Paul that he's that are like the games where we kind of want our number one pick to be like the guy it's starting to become discouraging that he's not he's only done it one out of three games Mm -hmm. really because he had like 21 against the Pelicans but I wouldn't say that was like an amazing game for him necessarily no I had a thought in my head and I completely forgot what I was going to say he was the number one pick and I really do think that our perception of him would be a lot different if he was like the seventh pick or something. Mm-hmm. Dude. Well, because... and so what I was going to say is, is like, I think that um, with us not um, extending him since we didn't trade him then now it's there. Why? Like, there's no reason to not give him the max because we're if if we give him the max and try to trade him, we're not getting the same value back we would have if we would have re-signed him then and traded him or just traded him at the trade deadline. So well, now it's like can the Suns can technically still trade him. They just have to sign him. No, yeah, I know, but we're not going to get the same value back in return that we would have if he if we would have traded him before trade deadline or before when contra uh contract extension was came around. Yeah. Because I think I genuinely think if we would have traded him then, we probably could have gotten someone like a cat. Uh, I don't know that. Of course, we would have had to add other stuff. But no, because I just feel I think um, I think Minnesota is very set on Edwards and Cat Velo, so I don't think they're unless they get offered like a super superstar. I don't think they're like yeah, but but at the time of contract extension the Minnesota Timberwolves were not good. That's when they were losing a lot of games and cat came out multiple times saying he wasn't happy there. So his value goes down by him saying that. And Deandre Aiden's was probably at an all time high. So I think it would have been a lot easier to trade for him then than now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you're right. That's probably true. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that. And if, do you think the Suns extend to Cam Johnson this summer or do you think they let him play out his last year of his contract first? Go ahead, Ari, and I'll let you, let you start. I think we're going to extend him. Uh, just, just based by the way he's played, the leaps he's taken this season, his, uh, his value has gone up definitely. But I think there's, I think we have to extend him. Yeah, I think that I think we should extend him this offseason. But knowing how our front office is, I think they're going to make it play out one more year. And um, he'll be a restricted free agent, right? If 
if we uh, hold out till next year? Yeah, if we we just have to. So yeah, offer. so I I don't think even with Aiton, I don't think it was a problem that we didn't resign, like didn't do the contract extension because no matter what, this this honestly might be better that he's playing not as good right now because how many other teams with his production now i think there's a few other teams that will give him max and the ones that are, are probably bottom tier teams um so and i think, think he'll forego the money to stay with the winning team well with him being a restricted free agent we can match whatever offer he picks so oh, yeah, right. I, I think that he i think that the only teams right now with how he's playing that would give him a max contract our bottom tier teams. And I think DeAndre Ayton cares too much about winning. So the teams that do give him um, contracts, if he doesn't, if he's not sure if the Suns are going to match or not, I think that he will go with um, a team that's winning and he might get a little less and then we can match that. So it might be kind of good that he's playing at the production he's playing now because his value is going lower. And yeah. So it's just, it makes our extension, like our, our, and we have team, the final say. Yeah. We, we can, if say a team like, I don't know, Atlanta, I feel like he would play really well in Atlanta, but just like that, I don't think they would give him a max right now, but I think that with Trey young and just how their team is assembled, I think they can be really good. And I think that's just an example. I'm not saying he would go to the Hawks or accept their offer, but say they give him like a, they offer him five years, 21, 22 mil, whatever it is. I think he's more likely to take that than a max from the Rockets. Five years, 20. You mean like five year, a hundred? Yeah. So five years, 20 mil each year. Like tw- okay. I was going to say five year, 20 would be ridiculous. <laughs> no. Um, so I think that that he would more be more likely to take something like that just off his demeanor and how he carries himself and, like, I think he wants to win. So I think he's more likely to take that than he would be a max from the Rockets. And then we could just match that. And then it saves us a ton of money. Yeah, yeah true. But also, we don't know point. behind the scenes if he cares that much about the extra. What would his max be like? He hasn't, he hasn't gotten anything to where he could get a higher contract. Like, no, all defensive teams, no. I don't, I don't know if you get any type of boost for making the finals. So it would just be a regular max. Let's see, what is what's yeah, the max I don't know. contract? I mean, what was Booker's first max? Isn't it 158? For five? Yeah. Yeah, and that, so like around 25, 26 a year. Yeah, I think that's what Aiden would be eligible for. Because yeah. he didn't make any all NBA teams or anything, so it doesn't. And if you think about it, the, the if if you, like if you if you're okay with signing him to like a five year hundred mil, how much does that extra five mil a year hurt us? You know what I mean? What do you mean? So if we pay him twenty mil a year, if his if we can sign him for a max, that would be twenty five twenty six. Are well, we going to be that stubborn mil... over? Yeah, I mean that's like a whole like veteran player you can sign yeah but but with how cap space works is like we're not gonna if since we're a restricted free agent if we match it we can go over salary cap so 
giving him that money isn't going to hurt us when si- trying to sign Cam Johnson or anyone else that we have to sign that's restricted. But like that that extra five mil that he gets, we probably wouldn't be able to use anywhere else because we're already going to be over the max with or over the cap, like the cap hit with Chris Paul, um, Devin Booker, and then we signed Shamit. Shamit's contract kicks in next year. Mikel's is going to kick in. So I think we're going to be over the mat or the, the cap regardless. It just, it, the, the thing that I think people are worried about, or unless they just don't know, is just, it's just going to hurt us down the road, but I'm okay with it hurting us down the road. If it means we win a championship, even if we win one. No, yeah, definitely. But I think a lot of people's question is if Aiden is the right guy for a championship. Yeah, I guess. But then, as I said, that's why we should have traded him before yeah, well, all this happened. Clearly, the team must <laughs> believe in him in some way if they didn't trade yeah, him. Yeah, so. that's why I'm not worried about it. Um, let's talk next about another big name up for contract extension. What contract is Cameron Johnson worth to you guys? Let's go, go with – let's go with um, minimum – Mikel Bridges contract, which is four year, 90 mil maximum, uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s contract, which is a max pretty much. Um, I would say around Mikel Bridges contract. Um, just because obviously he's having a very, very good year. Uh, I just don't think he's obviously worth Michael Porter Jr. Like that type of money. Yeah. I, know some people that would disagree but he's 26 is the thing and michael porter jr he got he's how old is michael porter he, jr. i don't know he the age is a thing but i mean statistically statistically yeah. cam johnson is a better player oh, no i'm not saying i'm not comparing to michael porter jr. i'm saying that that amount of money yeah i yeah, got you uh, yeah i just think he's around mikhail bridges uh, value do you think Cam Johnson's going to take that? Do you think? I mean, right now, Cameron Johnson's value is the highest it's ever been. Yeah. And I think, I don't know who his agent is, but if he has a good agent, he can very easily leverage um, the Suns into giving him a significantly bigger contract than the Kells. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him getting over 100 mil. Yeah. I would be very surprised. I don't think – I don't even think – I think Cam Johnson will take whatever we throw at him. Either way, he's a restricted free agent, so he doesn't have too much of a choice. But with – I don't even know if he would get offered Mikel's contract. Um, really? Well, Mikel's making 22 and a half a year. Um, I think he's definitely worth around there, but I, I don't see the Suns doing that. I, I definitely think he's worth somewhere between that 20 to 23 range, but I don't know. It's just in, in the past, it's just, I feel like it's hard to tell because the Suns will either throw out money or they're going to be stingy. Um, but what's good is he's going to be a restricted free agent, especially if we give him the qualifying. So um, there's, I don't think there's going to be a problem getting him back. And I don't even think that he – I don't think – especially if we go on two playoff runs, even if we don't make the finals this year, 
Um, I think that that sticks with players a lot, um, especially because Cam, he's been with us since we kind of started winning. His first season was that bubble season, was it? Uh, 2019, yeah. So um, I, I definitely don't think he's going to get a max. And I even if he gets – I don't even think he'll get – anything over four years i think four years will be the max of a contract he gets because if he gets five that's going to extend him till he's 31 32 years old and um i don't know maybe i guess unless he if he he like ages like wine if he's get gets better as he's getting older i still do think he's going to improve a bit yeah i think this is the first year this is like the first year of his prime i think I guess it's just we gotta we gotta know how well we gotta just see how long his prime is gonna be because I don't know I hope I hope we're able to keep both because I think if we can keep this core together then nothing is really gonna hurt us or like it's just we're just gonna keep. I think we have a good chance as long as the main four are together. Yeah, I would even yeah main I would say main five. Who's the fifth? Oh, I was thinking Chris Paul, but Chris Paul's gonna leave soon. Yeah, but um, yeah, just that main four then, and I we we need and we'll need a new point guard who's semi decent. So I hope that means that we can trade. I think in the off season that we should make a trade to get somewhere in this draft because I'm pretty sure this draft is guard heavy. I would rather, um, rather than drafting someone young, I would rather, um, because Landry Shamit is a very tradable contract. And Jay Crowder is a very tradable contract. And if we end up like in the last year of Chris Paul's deal or something, we could end up trading for an established point guard. It's something that would not surprise me in the slightest. Yeah. Because I think James Jones is a smart enough GM to realize that Chris Paul is is not going to be around much longer. And I mean, I don't know what our draft pick situation is, but we're not going to be in very good draft position for a while. So I would not be shocked if we see some kind of like mega trade for the Suns to get like a DeJounte Murray or something in a few years or in a couple of years. That would be amazing. What do you guys think if we packaged – do you think we could get a first-round pick if we packaged uh... – Alfred Payton and like Bismack? No. You don't think so? No. I don't think so. Not a first round pick. We could get maybe like 29, 28. I don't know. I feel this like is a very heavy draft. So I, I feel like a first round rookie in most drafts is has more value than Alfred Payton and Bismack Biombo. Yeah. So no, I think I think Alfred and Biombo gets you like a late second round pick at best. So do you would you be okay with trading Shamit to get that new backup point guard? Yeah, what? Of course. Mm-hmm. And I wonder where that could land us because if we can get in if we could do a trade to get into the top like 25, um Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee, he's pretty good, but he's undersized. 
Yeah, but are, I'm we, not gonna are we going to compare him to Chris Paul? Yeah, and it's like, are we going to be able to have Chris Paul long enough to for him to play under Chris Paul? And then what is that going to mean for Cameron Payne? Yeah, it's just I personally don't like the idea of bringing in a rookie. I mean, if you draft a rookie, are you starting this rookie or are you starting campaign? Exactly. And then if you, I mean, if you're planning on drafting a rookie point guard, what are you doing with Aaron Holiday? Well, Aaron Holiday is off the contracts after this year. So we, I don't even, he's not going to be restricted. He's going to be unrestricted. So I have no clue how long he's going to be with us. I just think it would better serve the Suns to, I mean, if they're going to trade in into the draft, it would have to be this year because I don't want us to be like, so he can have a year under Chris Paul. But I don't want to see us draft, like getting a rookie point guard onto a team that has like 27 year old Booker, 27 year old Mikel, 26 year old DeAndre. You're like, at that point, I'm going to want like an established point guard who I know can like be good. Right. Yep. All right. Well, is there anything else from the two games that you guys wanted to kind of talk about? Uh, Um, No, I'm good. I think we covered a lot. All right. Well, a longer episode. We're going to be introducing a new segment. uh, Follower slash listener Q&A. And just to kind of switch it up on you guys, I'm going to ask you different questions than we picked in the before the show. Just to kind of shake. Oh, okay. So let me find one. And I'll ask, I'll ask Brandon first. Who do you think is making it out of the East if standings were the same as they are today? Uh, let me look at the standings. This is from. This is this is kind of easy to me though. This is from uh, Sean Longley at Sean J Longley on Twitter. Um. I think the easy answer for me is the 76ers. Um, I think that they would be five plus games ahead of everyone right now if they didn't, if they weren't so hurt at the beginning of the season. Um, Cause I remember at the beginning of the season, there was a decent amount of games where they went without Joel Embiid and um, Tobias Harris for a while. And of course um, uh, Ben Simmons has been out. I think, I just think the, the addition of James Harden, um, it, it's going to be insane. I think that it already I, is. Yeah, um, that's a team that that the free is, throws are that I think astronomical. Is gonna, yeah, that's who I would pick. I don't think anyone else is really. I don't think anyone else is beating them in a seven game series. Um, not even Brooklyn. Definitely not Brooklyn. Um, you gotta they gotta make the playoffs first. That's true. Um. I, I would say the only other competition for the 76ers is the Bucks, but I still don't think that they they would take take them out. All right, uh, Arian, uh, same question. Um, I would, yeah, I would probably say a 76ers as well, actually. Just just because uh, how well Embiid and Harden are playing together. Uh. I don't feel like there's a team that could beat them in like a seven game series. 
So the Sixers are my answer too. How do we feel about the Heat? Because they're the they're the one seed in the East right now. They have a three game lead now on the second seed Sixers. So, I mean, their first place. They've also been very injured this season. So, and I feel like a lot of people don't really talk about the Miami Heat. So, what? gives you guys pause about saying the heat make it out of the east is it just because you just don't feel like i mean what is it um for for me it's that jimmy butler has been pretty bad this year or as i guess recently um and i just i don't know i just don't feel like they match up well with 76ers even though they just beat them but those without uh james harden yeah, I think you just said it. I don't think they match up well. I don't think they match up well against a lot of the top people in the East. I don't think they match up well against the Bucks or the 76ers. Um, I just – I think that their success, especially in the bubble, um, it's hard to really judge based on the, 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 like the, the things that were happening. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't – I'm not saying that he can't. I just don't think that they have that that firepower that a lot of the other teams have, um, especially with Duncan Robinson, how bad he's been playing because um, he has not been playing good at all this season. He was one of those people that had a really bad struggle with them. I don't know if it was them changing the ball or or what, but his shooting has been very bad this season. Let's see what it's I at. remember all that. That feels like so long. <laughs> yeah, uh, my answer is probably the Sixers, too. I just think the duo of Embiid and Harden is just too good. Yeah, Um. so Duncan Robinson is having a similar problem that Shamit is having. He's down to 36% from three on the season, where the last two seasons he was at 44 and 40. Now he's at 36 on the same attempts. Um, and he's under 40% from the field. So, which doesn't, he, he takes all his shots from three anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, next question from Jeremy Lunds at germ dog 27. What is an underrated team in either conference that could make a playoff run? You want to go first, Arya? Uh, you can go first. Um, I don't know if we can really say underrated. They've been playing so, so well um, the last few games. Um, they're 8-2 and two in the last 10. Um, the Celtics have been – they have been on fire recently. Um, Jason Tatum is just different. He just dropped 54 against the Nets um, in a win. Um, I think that he's the most, or they're they're the most likely underrated team. Um, but they've also been to two semi or conference finals in the last five years or whatever it is. So I don't know if you could say underrated, but they've definitely been underperforming the last few years. So I'm gonna say the Celtics. Um, All right. Yeah, for me, um, 
I wouldn't necessarily say uh, underrated, I guess, but the Denver Nuggets, just because uh, they're supposed to be getting Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back. Uh, I think they can make some noise in the playoffs. It just For them, it just depends on who they verse. Because even without those two, they're still a pretty good team. They're one of the deepest teams. Uh, they have really, really good role players. Uh, I think when they get their, those two back, they can make some. They can make some noise. Yeah, definitely. My underrated team is also don't really know if it qualifies as underrated anymore because they've also been playing very well. But the Pelicans, ever since uh, acquiring CJ McCollum, they have been playing very, very, very well. They blew out the Suns. They blow out like every team they play recently it seems like they're on a four game winning streak right now um and they're i don't know what what's up with zion if if he's coming back this season or not but regardless of if he comes back the pelicans are playing very good basketball right now i think they're better i mean just looking at the what is the plan the plan's like seven what is the plan what are the seeds um for the west just in general like what number seeds are in the plan oh um seven eight nine ten yeah so the pelicans are 10th right now and i think the pelicans are pretty easily better than the lakers i think we can all agree on that and i mean just looking at this i feel like they could even give the timberwolves a run for their money sometimes i agree does that sound crazy no not at all like they have the between Ingram and now McCollum, and a, a very strong center in Valanciunas, they have a pretty strong team. There. Zion's planning on coming back soon. He's he's playing. He's he's allowed to play, do basketball activities now, so he should be back soon. Yeah, I mean, if Zion comes back, the dude averaged twenty-seven and seven <laughs> in his second season, dude. Like, yeah, like on like seventy percent shooting. They're one of those teams that. Uh, you wouldn't really necessarily want to see in the first round if you're the Suns. No. Same with the Clippers. Don't want to see the Clippers. All right, let's uh, get one more follower question before we wrap it up. Uh, Here we go. Kind of to build on what we were just talking about. From at Mikel Betta on Twitter. Do you believe that a healthy Clippers team can beat the Suns in a seven-game series? Um, yes. And, and in th- how many games, if, if yes? Um, I think it'll go six or seven. But um, it's hard to judge because, like we were talking about earlier, I think any given team can beat anybody on any given night. But I think that um, – Paul George and Kawhi are just so good. Um, I guess, and if we're talking healthy, as in Kawhi plays like he did when he came back or before he before he got hurt, then yes. But I, we won't know that. Um, we won't know how he's going to play. So, I think that um, I definitely think that they would give us a run for our money. That if if they're both healthy by the playoffs. Um, that would be probably the scariest team I'd want to play out of the West. Yeah, uh, also, even more than the Warriors. With them adding uh, Norman Powell and Robert Covington, mm-hmm. uh-huh. especially how uh, Reggie Jackson is playing recently, 
Uh, I think it's like, yeah, they'll it'll be really tough to play uh, play against them. And then Marcus Morris is always hitting some crazy shots. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't really think the Suns would have a chance if Kawhi and Paul George were both healthy. I think there's a good chance the Clippers win that series in five games because the Clippers went to six with us last season with only Paul George. And now not only have they added uh, Norman Powell and Robert Covington and Reggie Jackson's playing better arguably than he was in the playoffs last year, plus Terrence Mann, Zubat, like they're still a good team. And then you just add Paul George and Kawhi back. I am not sure there's much you can do because that team, like I said, already took the Suns to six. And not only did they get better, but there's more injured now and mm-hmm. still a playoff team. We still only beat them by like what, like four points or something last time we played them. Like, I don't know that the Suns really have much of a chance against a healthy Clippers team, if I'm being yeah. completely honest. I didn't want to be the one to say it, but <laughs> it's, it's a, we're, we're honest on this podcast because we, we know ball. We know ball yeah. on this podcast. <laughs> Well, that was some good follower questions. We're going to try and hit on a few of these before or at the end of every podcast. So uh, probably tomorrow we'll, I'll retweet it and you guys can drop some more questions if you haven't already. Uh, we'd love to see more questions. It gives us a lot of stuff to talk about. So definitely drop more questions if you have them. Um, is there anything else you guys kind of wanted to touch about before we wrap it up here? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, if you guys are both good, then that is going to wrap it up for this is, I believe, the fifth episode. Mm-hmm. The good. fifth episode of the We Know Ball podcast. Thank you for sending in your questions and thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace out, guys.